Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. Today, Stephanie Murray is on from Fiddlesticks. I love the name. Candy Company. We're talking lollipops today. I mean, how can you not want to listen to this episode? <laughs> I'm super excited. Stephanie, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I can wait. Okay. So I have to start with the name. I think branding and name and whatnot are so key. How did you decide Fiddlesticks for the name of the company? Okay. So I wish I had a really great story as to like, <laughs> oh, it was my grandma's lineage. I don't know. But it, I wanted, I was, it was really particular to our branding and I wanted something that was a little bit um, old fashioned, a sure. little bit fun, but that was still um, a bit modern. So we threw an X on the end and the X is kind of like reminds me of crisscross lollipop sticks. So we thought it would be a, a great little. Oh, I love it. So Fiddlesticks Candy Company, you're, you live in Northwest Montana. Now, yes. I don't know. I mean, I have, I've been to a lot of places. Montana is on my list. Oh, man. But I haven't been there yet. So tell us, yeah, tell us exactly where you live first. Not the details, but like, tell us about Montana and, and how you sure. ended up there. Sure. So originally, I'm from Southern California, born and raised. Same oh with my, my husband. He was military for eight years. And uh, I'll kind of share more about my story later, but uh, ended up being able to quit my corporate job and was working from home and we realized we could really go anywhere. And I went on a business trip to Northwest Montana. I'd never heard of this place, Kalispell before. Right. I didn't know how to spell it. Right. <laughs> and um, actually flew into Spokane, Washington and drove over into Montana with my best friend. And as soon as we crossed into Montana, my jaw just dropped. <gasps> it is the most beautiful place I have ever been. And I called my husband and said, I'm not coming home. <laughs> like you can't, you can't make me. You have I, to come. <laughs> I promise so. this is not a sales pitch for Montana, but I couldn't wait to ask you that when we got on yes. here. <laughs> oh my gosh! And so we're we're like um, about 45 minutes from the entrance to Glacier National Park. Oh my and god, that's it's, so they cool. call it the crown of the continent. It's so beautiful here. Okay, uh, all of us have to go and check that out. Um, totally. But I know you didn't come talk about Montana, so yes. I want to talk to you about your business. So you decide. And not too long ago, actually, to start Fiddlesticks Candy Company. How did you decide to start this business? And then how did you decide to start it like in the, the candy space? Totally. So, yeah, last year, uh, right around my birthday, I was, to be honest, I was in a really dark place. I, like I said, I left my corporate job. I was working from home, but it wasn't super fulfilling. And I decided to start going to therapy, which I like shout out everybody, like mental health is super important. Um, started working with a therapist and she suggested finding something creative to do with my hands. Um, I used to bake and love doing that sort of thing. And so um, ended up in the kitchen, but I was kind of bored with cakes and cupcakes and stuff and sort of stumbled upon lollipops and decided... <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> so how do you stumble onto lollipops? I mean, right. A lot of us cook and love cooking, but I mean, you don't just stumble into making candy and putting them on a stick, right? <laughs> That's so true. Um, on, I think I was on Instagram one day and saw a picture of a lollipop and I was like, how hard could that be? Um, and went and, you know, did some Googling and found some recipes and it's so simple, but there's so much room for creativity. It felt like a good fit. 
Okay, I love it. So let's talk about lollipops because I've never had anyone on that makes lollipops. So I'm so how how do you make the lollipop? How did you figure out how to make lollipop? Um, so I found a she's like a candy maker somewhere. I don't know. She was doing some sort of online class, and so I took this online course that was like an hour. And all you do to make a lollipop is boil down sugar and some sort of glucose. I use non-GMO glucose, but you could use corn syrup. So something like sticky like that and a little bit of water and flavoring and you pretty much have a lollipop. Oh my gosh. But yours are unique, right? You've got messages inside and you got some really amazing flavors. So talk about how you then add that layer of complexity to it. Right. So when I was making cakes and cupcakes way back in the day, I learned how to use uh, edible images on cake. So if you've ever gone to the grocery store and you see like happy birthday and someone's face is on it, um, I use the same technique by printing edible images onto to frosting sheets. And I figured out a way to kind of layer it into the middle of the lollipop. Wow. Cool idea. And then yeah. what about the flavors? I mean, so there's your, your standard flavors, right? And then you've got yeah. some interesting flavors like bourbon yeah. and Coke, Irish coffee, uh-huh. Moscow mule. I mean, how did you decide to go there and what flavors to offer? <laughs> Um, so when I started, when I decided to try to, uh, prove my concept before I got too deep into this, I started signing up for local markets, um, like little craft fairs and that sort of thing. And what's one of the things that's really big kind of in the, I'm sure it's big all over, but Pacific Northwest, there's a lot of antique shows and they like to do kind of evenings like Friday night with some live music and cocktails and stuff. And so I thought, oh, well, if I did something that was more adult, it would maybe fit the theme a little bit better. So that's when I started to figure out how I could add in alcohol flavors into the lollipop. And so, yeah, <laughs> is whiskey it, and cola. Is it really alcoholic or is it flavored <laughs> as if? For like our whiskey and cola, I start with actual Jack Daniels. I don't know if I can say that. The name <laughs> on here, technically, but yeah, I start with Jack Daniels. I boil that down into a syrup um, with some sugar. Wow. And uh, same thing with the, the cola flavor, you know. So that's kind of the base of it. That is very cool. Okay. Yeah. So you decide you're going to make lollipops and you start experimenting in the kitchen. And at mm-hmm. what point did you go, huh? Okay. I have lollipops here and people are buying them at the fair or right. the, the antique market. Now I'm going to actually make a little business around it. Yeah. So I, like, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So it didn't take very long for me. Once I, I think after my first batch of like making the lollipop and figuring out okay, like I, I can make this work. Um, my wheels started spinning like, oh, where, who would buy these? And we're in a big um, tourist location up here near Glacier. So my initial thought was, oh, we've got all of these little souvenir shops that I could, if I could make a huckleberry lollipop, people would buy that. Um, so like I said, I went to the markets and started trying that. Um, and once, once I realized people would buy them, um, I was like, okay, cool. Like, Concept proven. We're just going to go full steam ahead. I am want to <laughs> jump all in. I don't like to tow the water. So we just went for it and uh, tried to started figuring out how to get into a, a commercial licensed kitchen so we could retail and all that. Ah, okay, great. So where are you in that process now? So you, my guess is, you know, initially and like others I've interviewed, you, it's kind of the, the home kitchen, the home, the, the garage, the basement, started. you know, mm-hmm. making it work. I mean, I... Interview, I've interviewed a number of people that have kind of followed that model. And then at some point it becomes a scale issue and also like the complexity of food and candy and whatnot. So how did you, and where are you in that process? 
Right. So initially I was working out of my home kitchen and that's a whole different type of license and labeling and all of that kind of, you get into the weeds with that. And it was okay for me to be able to go to local markets. But once I realized people were buying them and people would, people out of state wanted to buy them, um, in order to legally sell them online, I needed to get some sort of wholesale licensing. So I, I played with the idea of like, um, a commissary kitchen, like renting space, but cost effective wise, not so smart. Um, <laughs> so now, why I is actually, that? Explain to those that don't understand like oh, that, sure. that space. Talk about the, what, what makes that unique. So typically you're renting by the hour um, and you have to bring in, there, there are a few different layers of complexity with um, renting by the hour and moving all my stuff in and making the lollipops. And then you've got packaging time too. So making the lollipops didn't take very long, but uh, then you have to let them cool, which is another half hour or so. And then you got to get them into bags and tape them all up. And there's, it, it was just, Add a barcode. it didn't seem like the way to go. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, so you're now in a commercial kitchen. Is that where you are in the process? Yeah, yeah exactly. So we found a space last fall uh, that that made sense financially that we could cover the cost and and make it work. Um, so we we built out. We actually had to build a wall and like create the whole kitchen and got it all licensed. Wow. Um, officially got our license in February. Oh, that's awesome! That's exciting. Yep. Okay, so then once you're in that kind of space and in that kind of uh, you know infrastructure, what does that allow you to do that you couldn't do before? So now I can retail online, which is was my biggest thing, and uh, retail into stores. Uh, All right. So I'm working on local stores. And th- one of the big pushes for that was that I had some interest right off the bat when I was at the local markets here from like store owners that have stores on like Main Street. And, you know, there's an, uh, another store that's got multiple locations across a few different states up here that sure. she was interested in. Uh, carrying the lollipops and so i'm like okay for, fine we'll, wow. we'll build a kitchen <laughs> <laughs> why not right no question and so and, and the obviously the next part is okay so you're available online and you're trying to get into stores how do you get people how do you how are you making people aware of your product and like getting the message out beyond just northern montana yeah so uh we have utilized social media primarily um and doing a lot of organic marketing that way and, and reaching out, make, building relationships, um, doing using some influencer marketing there. And then of course, using some paid advertising. Wow. That's great. And what's worked well for you? Like what's been your best foray into getting the word out and getting product selling? Um, so, so not, I guess not surprisingly, um, paid advertising and getting right. really, <laughs> really keyed in on, on our target market. Um, influencers have been great too, but I find that like, you've, you've got to know who, who already Who's has real. the attention of your target. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I agree. Like that space is so everyone's talking about influencer marketing and the importance of it. And, and you can get PR, you can get, you know, on the Instagram pages with the, the thousands of followers, but does it truly drive sales? You know, I think in some cases it does, but others not so much. Yeah, totally. Anyway, not that <laughs> that's I've been a lesson but... learned. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Well, um, so as you've gone on this brief journey thus far, like what have been some of the big lessons learned as you've been getting things started and rolling? Um, so number one that everything costs twice as much and takes twice Ooh, as long. <laughs> that's interesting. Totally agree. Oh my God. Yeah. So talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, so first of all, we're already having to rebuild our website. Like 
It started totally. off just good enough, and now it's like not big enough, <laughs> exactly. right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Not not working well enough. Um, and the physical space itself. I, you know, we we locked down our lease in November, and we were just sprinting to get it finished by February. Um, and even that was fast, but I thought like it would be a lot easier. <laughs> um, yeah, and then all sorts. Of, so once I started thinking about like retail beyond local to me, um, starting to look at like packaging and how to, you know, like how to source that and the cost associated with all of that, you think, oh, well, you know, yeah, I can sell my lollipops for X number of dollars and that that I have plenty of margin there. But then when you, when you start to look at, um, yeah, packaging and distribution (laughs) and, and going into that whole other world, it's like, oh, wow, that's, more than yeah, that. I can add on to that one a little bit. I mean, so I you know, retailers, you know, want a double. So let's say they want to sell something for we'll just use round numbers, ten dollars. They want yep. to buy it from you for five. But then yep. if you have to pay a distributor ten percent or fifteen percent you know off of your costs, then now you're like and then if you have to pay it's a sales crazy. rep or something, and then you have to pay for yeah. like, I mean, there's a lot of costs. And so it's not so right. simple just to make a product and go sell it to a retailer. It sure isn't. <laughs> right? It sure isn't. <laughs> it's really interesting. I mean, and the yeah. retailers want to to double their, you know, they want to buy it for five and sell it for 10. Anyway. Yeah. And so when I started um, thinking about really going further in retail, I went to the fancy food show in yep. San Francisco. Oh, yeah. And that was a whole, it was like a wake up call to like, you don't know what you really don't know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and getting into all of that. I was like, well, maybe, maybe that's not, you know, where that maybe that's not the direction that we want to head in or that we're not ready for right now. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fair. I mean, there's all kinds of things I, I kind of, as, as I think about that, first of all, you know, merchandising, are you going to provide it, you know, in terms of how the, your can't, your lollipops are provided or on a countertop yep, shelf display, or not. Yeah. Yep. Display. Um, but, and there's a, oh, by the way, more margin and selling direct, right? I mean, to someone that wants to buy your product. Yes, exactly. That's a, those are good ones. What else? Yeah. What about just, um, um figuring out like the, the, the how, you know, and you, you know, you figured out the commercial kitchen piece, but it, mm-hmm. it seems like you pretty quickly were able to determine how to make the product, how you wanted to make your product. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I think that was really interesting. Um, when I started looking at, I mean, there are a few other people out there making lollipops. And so I started looking at like what they're doing, uh, versus what I want to do with my product, how I want to differentiate and, um, staying true to that. Cause I think it's really tempting. And I think this applies to anything. It's really tempting to look at your competitor and say like, Oh, well I could do that. Right. Or they're doing this <laughs> and maybe it's doing going well. So I could do that too. And so deciding where to draw the line in like, this is, this is what we're going to do that stays true to our brand or our style or what we, who we really want to serve versus. So like, for example, specific to me, a lot of the other lollipop ladies out there, um, really (laughs) lollipop (laughs) ladies. Wow. They really target uh, the wedding industry, which is great because that's a large bulk orders. But um, what I like to do with ours in which, um, I'm finding very profitable is uh, catering to people who are planning parties and looking for personalized like birthday type favors. And so that's really working well for us, but it's, it's been really tempting to like, maybe we should change our whole branding to cater to somebody who's looking for a wedding, you know, wedding lollipop versus what we want to do. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. 
Well, that's fascinating. And I, I love where you guys in the journey and you are in the journey. And I mean, you're just at a place where, I mean, there's a lot of upside and market you haven't even gotten to yet. And people are just mm-hmm. learning about your brand. So yep. speaking of that, how do our listeners find you? How do they buy your product? How do they engage with you? Yeah. So uh, we sell through our website, www.fiddlestickscandyco.com. And that's with an X, not a CK. Um, nice. I'm also I'm also on Etsy, but it's more fun to sell through our own website. <laughs> um, <laughs> Back to the earlier discussion. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, find us on Instagram and Facebook at fiddlestickscandyco. That's so awesome. I love it. Well, I have to say, I'm super excited about your product, Stephanie, and I'm so glad you took the time to come on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. Contender.